Good morning, I'm Angela Burris and I'm the new multi-site pastor here at West Church. This morning we are continuing to celebrate the 10 years West has been in existence as a church. The birthday message series that we've spent time reflecting on the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means to bend, don't break. We've talked about what it means to make mistakes, but to give grace. What it means to be a different kind of church and to reach people in new and creative ways. What it means to hit diversity, but instead of giving up or breaking, we've found God in new ways. We've learned and we've accomplished so much in the last 10 years, overcoming major hurdles. We've loved our neighbors and served the community in a large part because we've listened to God's call. And the funny thing about it is that God's call is something that sometimes it can seem totally overwhelming, but God never calls us anywhere or any place that God doesn't go with us. I can't tell you what an honor and a privilege it is to be appointed to serve in a place like this, to serve with an incredible leader such as Andrea and a staff that works as a team and a group of Jesus-loving people willing with willing hearts. So to wrap up our birthday series today, I want you to invite you, I want to invite you to dream of the possibilities, maybe even the impossibilities of where West might go and be in 10 years. You see, living things are always growing and changing depending on the season. They may be putting down roots or they're bearing fruit. They may be blooming or this time of year they're dropping their leaves. So the season before us may require more creativity, more determination, more inspiration, more love, more bending, and more listening to the, Holy, to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit than ever before. Would you pray with me? Holy God, even though we are scattered in our homes this morning and separated by miles, gather us together in this time of worship. Be present in each home and in each heart. Be in my words and in my heart that they may be a reflection of you. God, whisper to us, inspire us in this time. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, which is really an account of how the church got started after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And like anything that is new, it wasn't easy, it wasn't scripted, mistakes were made, and things were kind of messy. But the good news of Jesus Christ spread anyway. So this morning I want to tell you the story that is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. The account opens up with an angel urging Philip to take the road from Jerusalem down to Gaza, a wilderness road. Now the wilderness road, that was not the safest road to leave the city, but Philip doesn't seem to question the rationality or the safety concerns. He doesn't seem to question that there's not a plan or any instructions of any kind of what he's supposed to do when he actually gets there, but he gets up and he goes. Now, when he gets down to the road, Philip runs into the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is returning home to Ethiopia after making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. 
Now, the first century readers would have heard this story and they would have instantly been fascinated about a story of a foreigner from Africa because Ethiopia was literally considered the southern edge of the world. Now, this dark-skinned foreigner is a civil servant for the royal court, and he's riding along in his chariot, probably not quite as luxurious as a modern suburban or an Escalade, but you get the point. And he's reading from the scroll of the book of Isaiah. Now, this means that he is literate and he is wealthy. Because remember, people in that time mostly did not know how to read. Even Jesus' disciples did not know how to read. And owning a chariot and a scroll was quite luxurious. And he's also obviously a person of faith. Maybe one that's even searching to know more. Because you see, he's made this pilgrimage to Jerusalem despite the fact that he would not have been allowed into the temple. Because you see, he didn't fit into the proper gender categories. But despite being held outside of the temple, he sought God anyway. So this surgically altered, sexual minority, rich civil servant who also happens to be a person of faith Well, he's reading from this scroll from the book of Isaiah as he cruises along in his chariot. Now, it happens to be that he's also reading aloud because that's how people read back then is they would read aloud. It's funny, it's not just back then. When I was in divinity school and theology was such a foreign subject to me, oftentimes I had to read it aloud and slowly and repeatedly and even more times before I would get it. And sometimes even then, I didn't get it and had to have someone explain it to me. And so here in our story, the Holy Spirit prompts Philip to go to the chariot. Thankfully, the chariot was moving pretty slowly so the eunuch could read in his scroll without bouncing all over the road too much. So Philip runs along beside of the chariot as the eunuch is reading out loud. And Philip hears him as he's reading from Isaiah. And he shouts out, hey, do you get it? I think this takes a lot of courage from Philip's perspective. I mean, after all, he is the one who's running along beside of the carriage to shout out, hey, do you get it? And the eunuch has a surprising response and said, well, how can I without some help? And so he invites Philip to join him in the chariot. He could use some help with this particular passage that he is reading from Isaiah. The passage that he's reading goes something like this. As a sheep led to slaughter and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial. But who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? You see, the eunuch wanted to know whom this scripture was referring. Was it referring to the person and the prophet who wrote it, or was it referring to someone else? Philip, like a good evangelist, he saw his chance, and so he launched into talking about Jesus. Jesus was as gentle as a sheep and innocent as a lamb. 
Jesus had been humiliated and laughed at. Jesus had not made a move to save himself. And so with that end, Philip went on to tell the eunuch the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as they were happening down the road, they came across a stream or maybe a mud puddle since they were in the desert. And the eunuch, he was so excited about what he'd been hearing from Philip about Jesus that he said, well, here's some water. What's stopping me from being baptized? What's stopping me from being baptized? Philip may have felt like this was a trick question. Why indeed? Well, because for a proper Jewish boy, a traveling evangelist, there was a myriad of reasons why he should not baptize this person in front of him. This person who did not fit with what good church folk are supposed to be. He was different. He didn't meet the requirements. Let's just say he didn't have all the parts that he needed to have to be a part. But they stopped the chariot. They went down to the water and Philip baptized him there on the spot. And afterwards, Philip was zapped off into another place, another village where he continued preaching. And the eunuch continued on his way home, filled with joy. He had finally found what he had been looking for. These guys are so, so different. They're from different backgrounds and cultures and races and countries. Just to have a conversation with one another may have presented challenges. Now, often when this story is told, it is thought of as a story of conversion. Conversion for the Ethiopian that Philip told him the good news, the Ethiopian converted. But what if we look at it from a different perspective? What if instead Philip, the one being nudged, the one being commanded, the one being instructed is the one who is converted? You see, Philip, Philip had to rethink his entire understanding of what is possible in the church. He had to bend in order to follow the Holy Spirit without knowing all the whys or the wheres or the what fors or the hows. And he had to engage in ministry out of the box. This wasn't the training that they had given him at evangelist school. He had to bend in his idea of what God was doing as he sat there with a person that was so unlike himself. You see, he had to come to a new understanding on who could be baptized and who could be included in the church. This stranger, this Ethiopian, blows up Philip's idea of who can be included and what church can be. I wonder as I reflect on this story what it means to bend in our own lives. Thanks to COVID, most of us have probably had to do a lot more bending in the last six months than we're accustomed to, whether that was for work or for learning or for worship or just to stay connected to people that we love. COVID isn't the only thing that is gonna require us to bend this season. In this contentious political season, I think maybe we all need to bend a little bit more than we're comfortable with so that we can connect with our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our parents. 
How can we bend a little bit more to see someone else's perspective? See, I'm reminded of the old adage of, before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. But in this case, maybe it should be, before you ride a mile in a man's chariot with him, before judging. I don't know about you, but I'm finding that we all are judging a little bit quicker these days. Tempers are a little hotter, patience is a little shorter, and understanding seems to be evaporating. So maybe we have to bend to understand why a friend doesn't instantly call us back or doesn't have as much time for us, or maybe comes across a little harsher than necessary, or doesn't even take the time to stop and notice when we're struggling. Before we get angry, before we write off our friend or our neighbor, our coworker, our parent, Maybe we bend a little and show a little grace. After all, we don't know what's going on in their world, inside their head, or in their heart. And before we condemn those who think or live differently, maybe we take a seat beside of someone who votes differently than we do, who has a different ideology, who is differently gendered than ourselves who has a different culture or race or background. And maybe, maybe by showing a little grace, we can share the love of Christ as Philip shared freely with the eunuch in that chariot. So as you worship this morning, I invite you to think about those places where you might need to bend a little bit so that you can demonstrate the love of Christ. Now, what does it mean for the church to bend. Now, interestingly enough, church tradition has it that this story between Philip and the eunuch, that that is how the church got to Ethiopia. Well, I wonder what would have happened if Philip had ignored the Holy Spirit? What if he'd ignored that angel when he called him? Hmm. What if he had stuck to his tradition when the eunuch wanted to be baptized and said, no, we can't do that? What if he had not been flexible? What if he had said no? If he had done that, would there be a rich tradition of the Christian church in Ethiopia today? Maybe God would have called someone else. It's not like it would not have been there. But maybe this was Philip's job. And see, the thing about bending being flexible is that if we're not bending, if we're not flexible, then we break. And the funny thing about God is that sometimes God opens the door of opportunity at the most inopportune times, at the most unlikely, and in the most different places, and invites us to come in, and invites us to invite others in. In my experience, this can upset the status quo. But if we're not willing to bend, if we're not willing to go to that place, then we break. And when we break as a church, then that means that we become irrelevant and overlooked and meaningless to those who are seeking to know God better. Now, if I understand correctly, that's the purpose here at West, is to help all people know God better. 
Now, many of us, and I am one of those, that I am longing to go back to the, to the way it was before COVID. Back to our comfortable routines, back to traveling, back to not having to wear a mask in public, back to worshiping at Lake Norman High with an awesome band and three songs and an inspiring message and time spent together. All of those things are great, and I, I really hope that we can get back to them sooner rather than later. But I also can't help but to wonder if maybe God is calling us to bend as the church right now. How is God calling us to share the good news in this divided world? How is God calling us to share that news in a post-COVID world? And I wonder if God is calling us to the edges, much like Philip was called to share with the eunuch who lived from the edge of the world. What edges might God be calling us to go to, to bend towards? I don't, I don't have the answers. I wish I did. We, as your staff, we talk about this every single week, and sometimes we talk about it every single day of every single week. Bending requires us listening for the Holy Spirit, individually and corporately. It means that we pay attention to those gentle nudgings, those whispers. So like Philip, let's be in a position to move when God presents an opportunity without knowing all of the answers, all of the hows or the what fors. Because you see, we know the why, and that's all we really need to know. The why is so people can know Jesus Christ. I wonder where the Spirit is leading West folks in the next 10 years. How will we bend in order to share Jesus with people who have had obstacles in their way, people who have been shunned by the church, like the eunuch, people who are waiting, longing to know God better. What, indeed, is stopping us from going to the edge where God leads? Will you pray with me? God of all people and places, we hear the story of how Philip shared your love with one on the edge of the community. And we boldly pray that you would use us to do the same. Open our eyes to those who are unseen, to those who feel shunned by the church, to those who have had a bad experience with your followers, to those who are hurting, to those who are barely getting by, to those who are different from ourselves. We pray for all of those who long to know you better. May we come to know you better through those like the eunuch. Thank you for loving us and for loving all people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we conclude worship today, I invite you to hear this benediction. May you hear the invitation of God to move, to move from those places of comfort to those places of uncertainty, to move from those places where you have been to those places where you have yet to discover, to those places where we know 
to those places where we can only discover. From those places of safety to a place of risk. And may you go in the name of Jesus who said, follow me. Without saying where he was going, but promised he would always be with us. Go in peace.